Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to Continuing the Call, a Seminary Dropout's Guide to Discernment. It's so great to finally be back after a long Christmas and New Year's break. Uh, and we're starting off with a fantastic conversation with Sister Elfie del Rosario, who is the Vocations Director for the Eastern Province of the Salesian Sisters. Um, this following conversation uh, goes through Sister Elfie's own discernment, but then also her tips for all the young men and women who are currently discerning God's will for their life. I ask that as you listen to this conversation, please say a prayer for all those men and women who are discerning. Say a prayer for Sister Elfie and her community and for all those young people that they minister to. Um, and also, please uh, take a second to like and download and subscribe to this podcast so we can continue having conversations like the one we had with Sister Elfie. So without further ado, um, once again, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Sister Elfie Del Rosario, the Vocations Director for the Salesian Sisters here in the United States. Thanks so much and enjoy. Well, Sister Elfie, thanks so much for being here. Um, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit for all those listening? Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Sister Elfie. I'm a Salesian sister of St. John Bosco. I am the vocation director of the Eastern Province of the United States, and I'm also the director for the VITAS volunteer program that we have in our institute, also in the Eastern Province, just because it's such a big gamut of like the scope of the Salesian sisters we have our provinces. So that's my beautiful ministry that the Lord had asked me um, to do this a few year, this year at least. So I've been a sister um, for, I would say 11 years, but I've been in initial formation or start entered in 2009. I made perpetual vows in 2020. It was a beautiful, beautiful time. And um, yeah, and I'm just loving every single minute of being a sister. Awesome, no, I love it. I'm so excited to kind of dive into your story and what led you there and how it's been since. Um, but the first thing I wanna kind of break down just for the people who may not be familiar, um, what is a Salesian sister? What, when you hear it, so obviously, right, by the habit and your, you know, sister Elfie, but what is a Salesian specifically? So just to give you a background, our real title is in, in Italian because we were founded by St. John Bosco and co-founded by Mayor Mazzarello. So it's Filia Maria di Osegetrice. So all the Salesians in 97 countries, Salesian sisters, they will wear a crucifix like this. And at the bottom is FMA for that um, initials. Um, in, in English, it will be Daughters of Mary, Help of Christians. So Don Bosco... Um, we're working with the boys, um, the abandoned boys, educating them. And so the kid, the girls at that time were like, Don Bosco, what about us? So then um, the Holy Spirit led Don Bosco and met Mother Mazzarello. And Mother Mazzarello was already doing similar to what Don Bosco was doing. And so they started the Salesian Sisters. Um, and so at that time, Don Bosco said, I'm going to start this order, the Daughters of Mary, Help of Christians, to be a living monument of gratitude to Mary, Help of Christians. Don Bosco has his big devotion to Mary. And it's through Mary that there's a lot of things that Don Bosco um, was able to do. Um, believe it or not, Thomas, this year we're celebrating Don Bosco's dream of nine. It's a 200 years since he had this dream. We're in that dream. Um, this beautiful, majestic man appeared to Don Bosco and showed him how to work with young people. And when Don Bosco at age of nine in his dream was like, I don't understand how am I 
going to do this? And so don't worry, I'm going to give you a teacher. And so that was Mary. Um, so as a Salesian sister, our charism, our Salesian priests as well and brothers, when you hear Salesian, it's also known as young people. We are giving our lives for the young, for the salvation of young people. Um, for our Salesian priests and brothers, we're in 120 countries. And for the Salesian sisters, we're in 97 nations. So when you hear Salesian, think of young people, joyfulness, cheerfulness, and that's who we work for. We give our life for, and that's, yeah, that's that. I love it. I love it. And I love just even the origins of it. And I love when you get beautiful men and women coming together to start those orders. Because like, I think immediately of St. Francis and uh, St. Clair, right? And like how you these charisms kind of grow out of one another. Um, it's fantastic. Um, so that's great. And I'm sure we're going to dive more into the ministry and the work of the Salesians. Um, but we want to get to know you as well. Um, mm -hmm. So where did it all start? Where are you from? And how did you end up uh, where you're at? Obviously, we'll kind of do it in pieces, but uh, give us chapter one. Where uh, where did this all start? So uh, my always fun fact is I was born in Nigeria wow. and I was raised in the Philippines and now I'm here. And um, it was a beautiful time when I was in high school. I was exposed with young people. I was involved with youth group and all that. It was just a beautiful experience. And when I was uh, had the privilege to go for a youth camp, it's like a mission trip up in the northern part of the Philippines. All I, I was so convicted that I said, I want to work with young people. I'm not sure how. And then in my senior year of high school, one of my teachers, one, one of a great mentor of mine, um, exposed me to this beautiful group of young kids. And I never knew what it was or what did they call them and they were kids with autism and so my heart just fell in love with them and i said to the lord like i can see myself doing this so i went to school for psychology and i graduated and after graduation because my parents were all here in the states i had to come and so when i was here thomas i um i my first job was working with kids with special needs and I lived in New Jersey before I entered. Um, I went for two comencies, one with the Benedictines and another one with Cistercians. I didn't know who they were, but um, I really am thankful for all the people that the Lord has put in my path. So working with young people, even in the very beginnings in my high school and then continuing as I was working with kids with special needs, um, a vocation director that I visited um, sister Monica, um, she was like a, so instrumental and said, why don't you try out the Salesian sisters? I didn't know them at that time. And so I was so blessed that they were just here in my neighborhood. I was in New Jersey and they were here in New Jersey. I went and visited them and I just fell in love with this Salesian family spirit. I walked in and I was so scared. Um, and all I could hear was laughter. I'm like, why are they laughing? We're like, what is going on? I thought it was like a party. and um, But it was just so family and growing up with um, a big family. I have a lot of extended cousins that I grew up with. I only have one sister and one already in heaven. But um, I just felt like this big draw of like being with family, gathering around the table, talking story, talking up with stories and all that stuff. And so I walked in and I just like, 
okay, they're kind of weird, but I feel home. Um, but that's that's like kind of like the beginning, a short version of it. It was just, um, but at first it was really difficult because I really wanted to have, um, I really wanted to be a mom. And so for me, it was just like, I'm just trying the come and sees just to prove God, like, Lord, I'm telling you, this is not my vocation, you know, but the joke was on me. I fell in love and in, in adoration, it was just there that, I just know I found home. Um, one of the biggest thing that, you know, I don't know if it's the same with other sisters, but for me, like making excuses, like, Lord, I'm not good enough in here and all that. And one of the biggest thing I told Jesus was like, but they don't work with special need kids, you know, and I love them. You know, I work with them for six years. And, um, and then in my prayer, it was just beautiful, serene affirmation of like Jesus making me feel but Elfie, all my children are special. Why can't you love them all? So that very moment, I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, this is it. Um, yeah, so it was beautiful. So in a way for me, being part of a big institute present in 97 nations, just sharing my background of where I was, like in Africa, then Asia, now here in the US, it's like, yeah, this is great. This is awesome. This is like um, where God wanted me to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's beautiful um, how you lay it out and especially that that feeling of home, um, because I think that's that's like the one common factor of all the different vocation stories, no matter if it comes, you know, in like a flash of lightning or um, it's been like a slow burn. That's the one word that everyone uses to describe when they know where they're at is it feels like home. Um, mm -hmm. But you mentioned that uh, you did do some discerning before the Salesians. Um, and ironically, two orders that are, in a sense, very different. Um so I guess kind of what led you to the experience with the Benedictines and the Cistercians, um, you know, what would you like about it and, you know, what drew you in, um, but ultimately kind of what was the, hey, this, I don't, this is great, it's beautiful, but it's not home. Um, did you have mm -hmm. any of those experiences in those moments? So the, the turning point was this, um, in, I was part of a young adult group as I was working and um, there was part in my heart that I felt sense of emptiness and um, my mom had very religious, I just thank her and my dad, you know, for passing on the faith. So she said to me, you know, like, Elfie, why don't you go on a silent retreat? You know, like, just bring it up to God and just see what is he trying to tell you? I'm like, what? So I went and I, um, in my, in the silent retreat, there's a director that guides you. And then it's a self-led retreat, like in terms of you meet with a director, the spiritual director, and then you go on and pray. So in that um three days of being in retreat um the spiritual director said like you know what Elfie you really have to discern your vocation I'm like oh I already did sister I'm for married life <laughs> so she's like uh no 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 that's not how it works <laughs> so she's like I'm gonna give you a passage so I reflected on the annunciation and just bring it to Jesus and just in adoration I was just there sitting and um this is like so funny because like I was just telling Jesus, like all of my hopes and dreams and journaling that. And if I become a mother and this is why, and my husband to be I, devoting our lives to you and, and that, and like, if you ask me to be consecrated for you only and live out in the world, like I want to devote my life for my family and working with kids with special needs and, um, and that's it. <laughs> But then there's a tug in like, okay, there's one more vocation, Elfie. So then I'm like, 
okay, Lord, um, this whole religious thing. I grew up, actually, it's funny, Thomas, um, all my life since kindergarten, high school, college, I grew up in a school with religious. Um, in the Philippines, the sisters that ran our school were religious. And I went to a Dominican school in the Philippines. And um, But I just never thought that I could be one of them. And I guess because they were like, for me, I'm like, oh, they're already too holy for me. Like, I am like just a simple kid, just having a great time. So in my prayer, it's like, Lord, you know, um, I really don't know where to start. So I said, maybe in three years, I'm going to discern for three years and see where you're going to lead me. Um, I kind of gave Jesus like, a, I never <laughs> recommend this to anybody discerning, like, Lord, I'm giving you three years. Um, I'm not going to Google anything, but just come to me. I don't know how, but in a part of me, it's like, I know it's impossible. There's no way that orders are just going to come look for me, you know, like, and so, and I said, but they have to love the young. That's just like a big thing. Um, so then I finished that retreat and I had my little things and I said to Lord, I promise you, I will be the best wife I will be that I can, best daughter, best child of God. But then again, I realized not spouse, you know, like that's a spouse of Christ. So to keep my end of the bargain, I guess the closest religious order in the area I lived in were the Benedictines. And so I just had to, I have to keep it on a DL. Nobody has to know. Um, and so I told my dad and like, oh, and my family, like, oh, I'm going to go on like this retreat for young adults, but I went for a come and see. And that's when I fell in love with the Liturgy of the Hours. The Book of Psalms is one of my favorite books that I feel that the Lord has written all this feelings of how I pray and all that. And I said like, oh, I can do this. Um, and they work with kids with special needs, but I was like, no, I'm going to be married. This is not, but I'm going to pray. I like this prayer. I like, I'm going to take this with me. So a year passed and then the second year comes along and that tug of like, you made a promise. You're going to visit three orders. And one of my friends comes home and we were hanging out and like, Hey, I found this in the bulletin. And this is something that like, you know, this is a very good friend of mine. And I shared that I was doing this and, why didn't you go visit them? And I said, it's in Massachusetts. I'm not going to go all the way to Massachusetts. And there's Cistercians. I'm like, what in the world are they? Or who are they? And my friend's like, go figure it out. I don't know. So I didn't even Google what Cistercians were. Um, I just went and um, they were beautiful, beautiful group of women. Um, their main charism was really to pray for the church. And uh, I was so... Um, move with the way they pray and Thomas you know like I thought I knew how to pray um one time they were do they, they do all the offices of the day because that's their main charism right and um, they clo they're cloistered um they had to put us in a different house and they were we, we didn't even see their convent um there's this one time uh, we were in prayer at like five o'clock in the morning and I'm like oh this is great like praying an hour later, they're still there and like, okay, praying still, like praying all glorious, joyful, sorrowful, luminous mystery, the chaplet, reading um, my spiritual books, they're still praying. And I'm like, 
Lord, how long do they pray? I was like, this is so long. And I'm like, just moving and trying not to fidget a lot because they're, um, it's face-to-face and that's why um, their chapel is set up. The altar is in the middle. Um, and I said like, Lord, I, I, I have no more prayers. Like I, I ran out of things to pray. Like every single person I know I prayed for and they're still quiet and praying and you can't just leave. And so that was the moment we're in, like, I was just quiet and like the Lord's like, just shh. And I looked up the roof, Thomas is um, glass. So at that very moment, like, I just, I just felt like what beautiful sense of prayer of just being in silence and the presence of the Lord and just in awe of God's creation, just, just looking up in the heavens and just like admiring God's creation. And I'm like, wow, thank you, God. You know, like, and then I realized, you know, in my journey, it's like, Elfie, it's not much what you say that's important. It's like your presence of just being there in the presence of God with all this beautiful women just joining you and just being in adoration. Um, and then I was able to chat with the vacation director and, um, and that's when she said, I was sharing with her, I'm like, sister, this is a great life, but, um, there's a lot of things that they don't do. And because of their charism and stuff, I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready to give that up. So then she's like, you don't have to. And then I learned what charisms were like, wow, like, poof, I thought I knew a lot already about the faith. And I was already in my 20s, like 25 and 26 and that. And so she explained to me, um, Elfie, your charism is working with young people. And I said, oh, okay, so what do I do next, sister? So she's like, go check out the Salesians or the Sisters for Life, you know? And I'm like, okay so that's you know and I totally forgot about that and I just like okay nice trip and then I realized it's like one more time you know like I have to visit another order and um I was we were doing a conference for our young adult and I was able to talk and research about the sisters for life I love what they do and how beautiful it is that they believe in life and cater for this women and love the infants and babies. Oh my gosh. I'm just, that's my, um, the sisters know how I love babies. Like don't put sister Elfie in front of a family with babies. She'll be distracted the whole time at mass. She'll be just praying with the baby. And anyway, um, but then I said like, okay, Lord, that's beautiful, but let me check out the Salesians. And so that's when I, I stumbled upon them and I visited and I entered that. I visited in February of 2009 and August of 2009, I entered. Yes. Wow. Wow. No, it's, it's beautiful. And I, it's great to see all the, the providence at work too, of even, you know, even though the Cistercians weren't where you're called to be, um, it was that conversation that ultimately, you know, led you there. And um, yeah, I, I love the, even, just the understanding of the different charisms. And, and that's one of the things I want to ask you is um, as a vocation director, how important is that? I think that the one of the biggest fears I hear from men and women who are discerning are, oh, that I have to give up what I love or, oh, my life is going to be so difficult or, you know, I, I really want to do this. How important is it that, you know, we discern charisms that match what we want, right? This idea that grace builds on nature and God isn't going to take away who we are but only add to it and perfect it. Um, so what's kind of been your experience? Obviously you have it personally, but then also as a vocation director of, you know, when somebody says, I, you know, this is where I feel called. 
um, how important is you know it to listen to that call? You know, it's amazing. Um, one of the things that I always thank God for being part of a, a youth group and being part of a young adult group. Um, they're very charismatic in nature. There's this big um, love for the Holy Spirit. And that's one of the things that I always begin with, that if I meet a young person, regardless of how old they are, middle school or elementary, high school or college or young adults, the first thing I really ask of them is to invoke the Holy Spirit and have that relationship. They have a good relationship with Jesus, right? With God the Father, but the Holy Spirit is our advocate and gives us those gifts, you know? And I always kind of explain to them like, you have the gifts of the Holy Spirit when you were confirmed, actually when you were baptized. And now when you're confirmed, like, go out and use them, right? And the charism inside of you is something to build up the church. And some of them, they're like, well, sister, how do I know? And um, the first thing I always say, of course, like the Holy Spirit asking, invoking him and invoking the spirit of like, teach me. The one thing is service, you know, and you mentioned earlier about Catholic Heart Work Camp, and I love it, you know, because it's in service that the young people can see and say, that gives me so much life and energy. I'm like, I am so tired, but I love this. It's like, I am just more energized to do this and I'm passionate about this and all that stuff. So that's like a first thing. I'm like, okay, if that's like your inkling, like, Read more about that or um, expose yourself with friends, common friends who have good faith and values and do things with them. Um, and then the other part is that always go back and zero back to your prayer time um, and just like ask like, Lord, you know, like this thing about um, what I can do. It's who I am in my imperfectness. Like, I'm not a good speaker, but I can do this. I can I can do this and I could help out and I could teacher, tutor, or I love the elderly, or um, it makes me, it brings me so much joy if I talk to the homeless, you know, and all that stuff. And so I invite them, like, try different things. Um, don't be afraid to, to go out there and go out of your comfort zone. And that's why, you know, even Pentecost, they were like all shut in the door. And when Pentecost happened, like, boom, like they were out there and they're like speaking different languages and they're trying all this, went to different towns and stuff. Um, but it's very important, Thomas. And I don't just want to say like discerning, but I encourage young people to, to have a discerning heart. And that's very, very important because they think like, oh, Thomas, I'm discerning um, my vocation. I'm like, yeah, dude, you're going to discern your vocation, but it doesn't stop there. Like you, you found your vocation every single day. You're discerning, Lord, what am I going to do today? Because when you say discerning, you're choosing two great things. But Lord, what is your will? You know, Um so I think for the charism, that's that. And there's also something about what I also say to young people. It's like, don't sweat this. They're like, oh my gosh, like they're very analytic, you know, like, or perfectionism, you know, like it's enemy of the good, you know? Um, so I encourage them, like, when you are discerning that, have that sense of belonging and it comes gradually. 
So for instance, I it's easier to say on when you're dating. So I tell college students, you know, you're not going to say on a first date, what's your charism? And um, this is my charism. Like, you know, no, you don't, that's awkward. <laughs> but you start talking to each other and you kind of like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like you might be interested in football. You might be a Yankee fan and I'm a Mets fan. I'm like, oh my goodness, then that the world is going to collide, you know? But it doesn't work that way. Like in that part of like just talking about it and just being able to discuss with this special someone that you're like, hmm, I'm interested. And then you kind of feel this complimentary of like this person brings out actually the best in me or like challenges me in my faith or allows me to see things in a different light. And I would say same as um, visiting an order or discerning an order for women, for religious, uh, if you're also called to become a lay consecrated. And if you're a man, like diocesan or religious or a priest or a religious brother, you know, it's that part of like constant dialogue with God and the Holy Spirit allowing like, where are you? And be able to, you know, Don Bosco was so big. He has his favorite saints, like we all do, right? And one of his favorite saints is Ignatius of Loyola. Um, that's why it's very important. At the end of the day, we do an examination, an examine. To think of where was the Lord in all of that? Where was that? And I was so full of joy. Because those are little seeds that the Holy Spirit is already planting in your heart that will cultivate. And then you realize, like, that's my gift. That's my charism. That's where I belong. And so, like, um, one good priest had said to us one time, the Lord is so good and so real. He is not going to put you in a scavenger hunt to go here, then go there, to go. He's not complicated. We complicate ourselves, right? Um, but for us, the Lord is such a beautiful way of like, he's going to make it clear. It's simple. It's true. Um, but like you said earlier that I was um, I was so scared of giving up as like my family. And um, you, you saw our sisters, you were in camp with us. There's a big sense of a Silesian family spirit. When um, my father was, um, you know, like very adamant, like really hard. And like for him, he's like, he felt like he wasted his life putting me to school because I'm entering um, the convent. And um, when the sister said, Elfie, trust in Mary and Jesus in the Eucharist and you will see what miracles are. For four years, Thomas, I was like, going back home, like visiting my family. We go home, like we we have home visits and stuff. And it was just very hard. But like the part that you said about giving up, um, I thought I'm just going to lose my dad. Like I really love this part that God called me. But like I said to, to the Lord, like, Lord, um, Don Bosco has this big love for family that we are truly, indebted to our parents because without our parents we will not be here that in our constitutions that we should be able to bring our family in like 
that's part of who we are and like what suffering I had. And then um, in my day of my profession, my, my first profession, my dad came and I was so scared that he's going to make a scene, but he was like asking me, just tell me, are you happy? And I said, dad, I will never trade it for the world. And so he started crying and he said to me, Elfie, that's all I ever wanted. So all these things that we think like we're going to lose, the Lord gives us abundant, you know, and, and now it's funny, I was able to direct a, one of our camps actually in Newton, I was there for two years directing that camp and my dad was like, here's some money, buy balls for the kids. Um, What else do you need? What else do the kids need? You know, and now they're partnering in the salvation of souls, you know, um, the Bosco truly believe that, um, this is not just work of the religious, but of the laity as well. And that, so yeah, it, it's just it. beautiful. Yeah, I, I love it. It's a beautiful story. And that's, and it is, and it's like, that's, I think the biggest thing is that people are afraid they're going to lose, you know, their family or they're going to lose who they are, their desires. And, um, but it, like you said, it's the exact opposite and, you know, and it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's, you know, it's through those difficult conversations. It's through that prayer and, you know, and, I think also it's through that God's going to walk us up to that point of teaching us that, you know, he's not going to take it away, but he wants us to be okay if we do lose it. Um, because then we learn how to love him and trust him even more. Um, yeah, it's just, it's fantastic to hear you kind of say all these things about, you know, in a sense, don't stress about it. Right. And, and love and, and understand that the God who gave you your vocation loved you first, right? The end goal of God is is us to be in communion with him. So he's not going to send us on a scavenger hunt. He's not going to, you know, make it difficult. And our vocation is ultimately to lead us back to him uh, who made us and loves us and, and desires our happiness. And I think that that's a confidence that um, so many people forget. They get so worked up about the sermon. And, you know, there's, especially on the religious life side of things, there's a thousand and one different orders to decide between. Um, and, you know, it's like you get kind of this paralysis, but it's like, no, no, no. At the end of the day, God wants you. He wants you to be with him. He's going to lead you where you're happy um, because that's always been the goal. Um, so it's fantastic. Uh, I love to hear it. And I'm so excited and, and grateful that, you know, you're out there and telling all these young people like, how to discern well. Um with that, are there any trends? What What's kind of the current state of vocations that you're seeing? Um, you know, we were out there and kind of being that voice for discernment vocations. What's uh, What are the questions that young people are asking now? And what's kind of the current trend? Obviously, we're seeing uh, kind of, obviously, numbers are, are down in a sense, or they've kind of, it's been kind of a little bit of a slower um, period of discernment, but you're starting to see some orders really start to blossom and bloom, I guess, kind of where do you think that's coming from and, and why uh, is that the case? You know, it's beautiful that you mentioned that um, because just being able to have an opportunity to meet a lot of college students in my different visits and stuff. First and foremost, I think, um, no, no, I think, I think all the families that really believe in this allowing their young, their young, their children to discern their vocation and actually putting it out there. If God calls you to marriage, praise Jesus. If God calls you to become a priest, God calls you to be consecrated, um, religious, praise Jesus, you know, and there are those families. I have to give them a lot of credit because they don't, they, they feel like, oh, families are like breaking up. Like, no, 
they're alive and they're really um they're really grounded in their faith and i do want to thank so definitely the family i know like my parents they're really they're very good they love the, the lord but it was just hard for my parents you know especially for my dad but i think i always tell young people your parents are scared because of the unknown but once they know and they you explain to them they should be fine. Another thing is that I am so grateful with a lot of campuses that promote this. I'm not going to start with vocation, but just promote good, solid Catholic Christian communities that a lot of young people like sister, you know, I was a cradle Catholic and all these things. And I never knew this until I got to college. And I thank God that we have a Newman center or a Catholic center. And I thank God for the bishops. And um, I know there's a lot of focus missionaries who does that. There's a lot of chaplains who really invest their time to be with the young and accompany the young people. And then another part, too, is like just the openness of young people. And I think that's a beautiful thing because there's this big resurgence of I want to be a saint. And why won't you? Right. Um, the one thing that I I always say to young people, though, in the event of like. There is no greater vocation. They think, oh, priests are better like we need priests yes we know that um but i said we need holy men and women as fathers and mothers that is also a great vocation you know um religious and that yes but i don't want like i would say to them don't feel guilty because some of them and i'm not saying it's a lot of them thomas that i'm like Oh, sister, I have to discern this because I feel that I'm going to let Jesus down. I'm like, my friend, you are never going to let him down, okay? He loves you. He created you. He has a vocation already set for you. And, um, and the reason why he wants you to desire it even more because he wants you to take ownership of, ownership of it, you know? And so um, there's a part where I would hear like, I'm so, I, if I don't discern religious life, I'm going to be a disappointment. I'm like, no, you're never going to be a disappointment, you know? Um, but I think a lot of that too is allowing and for them to be exposed to religious and priests and having good religious friends, um, religious priest friends and religious sisters friends and and that um, I think is helping them to see and like, oh, I could see myself being one of them. And um, it's something that is beautiful as well. And one thing that I would say too, Thomas, is like um, when I was discerning, like I know I have to keep it on the down low because I don't want to be embarrassed or I didn't know that my friends would be supportive. Um, I see a lot of good friendships around um, that they would support one another and pray for one another for if they're discerning this kind of vocation and stuff. Um, and I think those are the big things that I'm seeing right now. In terms of, there are some places where I'm like, sister, are there no more sisters or priests or um, religious brothers that are entering or becoming one? And I always say to them, the Lord who called St. Francis of Assisi, St. John Bosco, all of this men and women and said yes is doing the same thing right now. The amount of call 
is there, even Don Bosco said, like, out of 10 boys, two are called to become priests. And they were like, oh, my gosh, am I the two? <laughs> you know, but they, he's calling. It's real. He is calling you. And they're like, well, why, how come I don't seem like, because you have to respond. Mm -hmm. You have to say yes. And our Lord, who is so gentle, wants you to want it, um, to be attuned to him. There's so many things that is pulling us away from it. And, um, you know, success and I need to, I want to be this, you know, for my family and all this stuff. And I feel part of that, um, sometimes it can't be me or the unworthiness of like, I've done so many things, sister, in, in the past and the Lord will never, ever think that I, I could never think that I could be one. I'm like, yeah, go beat St. Paul. You want to trump him and like, you, you know, like things and well, I've been there, you know, and I always say to them, like, my friend, when you start comparing, you're going to despair, but know that you're redeemed and you're loved. And so if God calls you, everything that you have, like all the crosses that you carried from the very beginning, I guarantee that he is going to use that to glorify his kingdom because now you're going to be a witness of him not just of you and so i do tell young people don't lose hope because i want you to detach from like all this noise and really have that time to really listen and of course the question of like well how do i know his voice you know <laughs> and so we always talk about you know my friend you know if you want to know his voice go check out the basic instruction before leaving earth which is the bible right and then that's his voice, the real word of God, living, effective, right? St. Paul said, um, and I said, you you receive the sacraments. And there, they, sometimes the Lord will even use your friend because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Like the Lord will inspire your friends to speak the truth. And then also in like things around you, people, like you said earlier, the Lord really brought specific people in my journey and I truly believe that's God, you know, like, of course, who else would it be? And um, and I said, don't be afraid to just listen to nature. You know, when you bask in the sunset or look a wonderful sunrise, what do you feel? That's all of God. What do you see? What do you smell? You know, um, so, yeah, I, I it's just a beautiful thing of a lot of women and men considering this vocation, entering priesthood or religious, it's just an edifying way of seeing that. The most special thing is I see a lot of converts, Thomas, what a beautiful witness of them. Like, sister, I was Protestant, I was this, and now I know what I was missing and, and that. So it's such an amazing gift and that I'm able to do this ministry at this moment in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and it's an absolutely needed ministry. And and yeah, just giving them an outlet and a voice of all those people discerning of, you know, just where to ask the questions. Um, I remember my time discerning and, and even all my students, I'll point them there of like, hey, talk to the vocation director. They're not going to throw a contract at you. They're not going to say, hey, you, you know, they're not going to they're not going to trick you. Um, yeah, because that's the thing is everyone just wants your best, right? It's like that's the that's the body of Christ is saying, hey, you have a place in this body and you have a place where 
God wants to tell you every single day in your vocation that he loves you and that he, and to go share that love. And that's what your vocation is. Um, with that and kind of where I want to wrap up is what's your favorite thing about being a sister? I, I know that there is, you know, a million one things. I know that it's fantastic. And, but what's, what's the one thing that you're like, this is it. This is what I'm grateful for every single day. Um, wow. That's tough. Huh? There's so many tops. Um, let's see every day. I just thank the Lord and our blessed mother that they called me that God called me. Um, the spiritual motherhood is such a beautiful thing, and that's something that I will forever be grateful. As women, we're always called to give life in whatever aspect that be. As a mother, giving birth to children, right, in a family. And for me, being a daughter of Mary Help of Christians and imitating her and allowing that my presence. And so for us, Thomas, is like when we're out there with the young to be a sign and um, presence of God's love, like incarnate, like real for the young to know. And so the best thing for me is that to become a spiritual mother, that I'm a spouse of Christ, that all these young people entrusted that I meet, entrusted to my care for this time being that I am accompanying. It's just what gives me purpose. It's the one that gives me joy and life. Um, they would say, oh, sister, so it's not being the spouse of Christ. Okay, that's already given, you know, like, because you can see I'm already a spouse of Christ, but just that spiritual motherhood, I truly love that. And I thank God for allowing me to be part of this beautiful order. You mentioned earlier, Thomas, about, you know, discerning and um, about those who have information, who discerned started their discernment and um, realized that this is not what the Lord is asking. I want to say that I also want to give them a message of like, thank you. The Lord is really grateful because I would say too, like their life, their spirituality is truly enriched and they never go out leaving and say like, Oh, that was a waste of my year. Like, no, it's like, I thank God for those months and years that I was in there because the more that I see and learn about God, the more that I know myself. You cannot fully understand you, but because the more that Jesus reveals his love and mercy, the more that we bring out the best in us, he brings out the best in us. And what you said earlier, he wants us to be holy. And so as vocation director, there's three things I always ask young people when they come and visit or they're discerning. And I want to leave this good thought for them. Okay. First, when you come and visit, even when you're dating, okay, like for everybody who's listening right now, sister, but I want to be married, you know, like, okay, calm down, you know, um, and when you're doing your dating or you're visiting an order, right. And if you, in reflection, you see yourself and say, can I see myself doing the work that the priests, the brothers, the sisters, can I see myself or like this person that I might marry, can I see myself working with them and doing that with so much joy? The second one would be like, can you build good friendships here? Because that's intimacy, you know, like having a good, solid friendship grounded in Jesus and Mary 
and be able to feel that home. And lastly, like Don Bosco would always encourage all young people, you can be a saint. Is this the order that I could see myself becoming a saint? Is this the person that I can see myself that the both of us are going to be saints? So whatever it is, the Lord will give you anything, all the graces that you need. You just need to ask and be open. Because sometimes you ask and you're not open. So, well, he's giving you stuff, but you're not receiving what it is. So with that, I just be sure that my prayers are always with you. And thank you so much, Thomas, for this opportunity to be able to chat with you and get to know you. And also for your listeners and viewers that they may also know that God loves them and God wants them to be so close to his heart, especially our Blessed Mother. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, sister. I, I could go on for hours. And I mean, you, I you really are just such a fount of wisdom. And, and I can see 100% why um, the Holy Spirit has led you to to where you are and, and being that voice. Um, so thank you for your ministry and your yes and your life. And um, yeah, the countless people. That's always my greatest joy and hope is that, um, you know, we have no idea the ripple effect of what we do. And you know, hopefully when we're all in heaven, you know, someone we've never even met said, hey, well, this person um, told me something that you had told them years ago. And that's what, you know, led me here and just kind of the beautiful um, connection that uh, we don't even know we're starting, but uh, that the Holy Spirit starts through us. So, um, yeah, thank you so much. And, and please know of my prayers and everyone who's listening prayers for you and for your community and for all the, the young people you work with, because I think that that, again, is at the heart of it. Thank you, Thomas. God bless you. Yeah. Well, everyone, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Sister Elfie. Um, so many great points and tips for not only discernment, but really just a life in Christ. I ask that you say a prayer for her and for her community of sisters and for those who they minister to. I also ask that you take a second, once again, just to uh, leave a comment and like and subscribe and download this podcast uh, so we can keep having conversations like the one we had with Sister Elfie. So once again, please uh, take a second, share it, and uh, say a prayer for all those who are discerning. And hopefully we can all say yes to God and continue the call to love and to serve Him with all that we are. Thank you so much, and we'll see you in the next episode of Continuing the Call, Seminary Dropouts, Guide to Discernment. Thank you.